Welcome to the Wisdom and Wellness Parsha podcast, a weekly Eden Center podcast featuring Rabbanit Shani Tarragin with insights from the Parsha about women's health, relationships, mikveh and well-being. This podcast is hosted by the Eden Center that is transforming the mikveh experience by educating women how to use mikveh as the natural platform it is to connect to women's health, well-being and healthy relationships. Read our weekly blogs on a range of fascinating topics, download our wonderful publications, learn about our Balaniyot and Kala teacher trainings, and support us at theedencenter.com. Rabbanit Shani Tarragon has been a leading force in women's Torah learning and in Eden's work, and we are honored to combine two of her passions, Torah education and empowering us about women's health and well-being. Without further ado, Shani. Hello and postpartum Sameach to everyone. As we explore this week's Parsha and its connection to women's health and wellness, we think generally Parshat Kitisa, Ava, the famous or perhaps infamous story of Chita Egil. But I'd actually like to concentrate for this week's Parsha on the beginning of the Parsha, or even more so, the ends of last week's Parsha. We spoke about Titzaveh being the Parsha that is going to allow for an Ohel Moed, literally and figuratively, a place of meeting between us and HaKadosh Baruch Hu, a place where we don't just bring Hashem back to our mini Harsinai, but a place where we accomplish not just Vasuli Mikdash, Vishachanti Bitocham, where there is consistency, a Ner Tamid and Karban Tamid. But if you look back at the end of the Parsha, there is in fact one last Parshia that seems to be somewhat of a non sequitur. Right after hearing about the Korban Tamid, the Torah tells us, Vasita Mizbeach Miktar Ketoret, Atseishitim Tasoto. Make sure that you prepare a Mizbeach Ketoret. Now, this is very strange because if you remember, we heard about all of the Kilim, the utensils that are used in the Mishkan. We heard about that in Parshat Shuma. We heard about the Aron. We heard about the Shulchan, the Menorah, the Mizbeach Nechoshet. So, why is this out of place? Why do we only hear about the Mizbeach HaKetoret at the end of the building, the construction, and even the Karbanot, even the Karban Tamid that's brought in the Mishkan? Apparently, at first glance, we see that there are actually numerous parallels between the Ketoret and the Olat HaTamid, not necessarily just the beginning of Paraglamid, but the end of the chapter as well is going to speak about the actual worshiping, the bringing of the incense upon the Mizbech HaKetoret. But we already hear from Paraglamid Pasuk Zayin, V'ektir alav Aaron Ketoret Samim Baboker Baboker. The Ketoret is going to be offered on a daily basis, every morning, very reminiscent of the Korban Tamid, Tase Baboker Betivoetanerot. At the same time, that the lamp of the menorah is going to be prepared for its lighting, that's when you offer the karban tamid, and that's when you also offer the keturet, or the ensuing pasuk, reminiscent of the korban tamid, so we certainly do see a parallel. Nonetheless, we have to ask ourselves, why is this here? Why is this at the end of all the parshiot of the building and even the hatmada, the consistency of keeping Hashem in the Mishkan? 
And perhaps if we look carefully, one can see as the person and explain that this is the perfect bookends for all of the Melechet HaMishkan. After all, it seems to be not only placed parallel to the Aron Kodesh, parallel to the Aron and the Kaporet, Venatata Oto Lefneha Parochet, Asher Al Aron Haidut Lefneha Kaporet, Asher Al Haidut Asher Yivail Hashama. It is seen basically as a direct line from the Aron, and that's why we hear, for example, the Ibn Ezra who explains that this is parallel to the Aron. That this Mizbech cannot be juxtaposed to the Mizbech that's placed in the courtyard upon which we offer our sacrifices because you can compare the altar of the sacrifices with the altar of the incense. The altar of the incense is placed directly across from the Aron, the first of the Caleb mentioned. What a beautiful inclusio the Ibn Ezra is basically teaching us. This is the last of the utensils that is going to be instructed to us because it in fact is just as important as the first one, as the Aron. The Tzorah Mor of Avraham Sava on the Pasuk Vasita Mizbech Mektar Ketoret explains Hinei Chatam Melechet HaMishkan B'Mizbech HaKetoret Lefi Shehu Hakli Hayoter Nevchar Zulat Aron Shetziva Berishona the Mizbech HaKetoret is the most important. Why? He says, look carefully at the words. Because it's the greatest. It's actually the most important of all the different Kalim other than the Aron, which was the first one mentioned, which represents the continuous Dibur, the presence of God's communication with us. But what's special about the Mizbech HaKetoret? As the Tzor Hamor explains, Lefishahu Mechaper, Umashir, Umesameach. It allows for atonement and also for wealth and also Simcha. For this, in fact, is what we're going to see serves as the last goal of the Mishkan. The Chiper Aron Al Karnotava Chat Bishana, Midam Chatata Kipurim, Achat Bishana. The Mizbech HaKetoret does not serve the same function as the original Kilim, and that's why it's not mentioned in Parsha Truma. The first set of Kilim, whether the Aron, the Kaporet, the Menorah, the Shulchan, the Mizbech HaNechoshet, those were all instructed, if you remember, in order to mimic, basically, to serve as a microcosm for Mamad Harsinai, not the Mizbech HaKetoret. There was no incense, not even a cloud of incense that was created at Harsinai. But in the future, after there's going to be Hatzmada, the consistency of the presence of the Shekhinah in our midst, that's when we need a Mizbech HaKetoret for the Mila Mancha Kapara, Kapara. What does kapara mean? Like by the teva, the ark of Noah, there has to be a protection. We have to be protected now that we're in God's midst. And what's one means of protection? The mizbech haketoret. Literally having an altar upon which we can form a little bit of a buffer, a protection between the presence of God provided by the aron and the kaporet and all the malachot that we do beyond the aron all the malachot that are present in the area of the Mishkan. 
Which is why as we open up our Shakitisa, even though we heard this a few weeks ago when reading Parshat Shkalim, we now appreciate the context all the more. The Torah tells us, Kitisat Rosh B'nei Yisrael of Gudehem, Venatnu ish kofer nafsho lahashem b'fkorotam, veloyeh bahem negev b'fkorotam. We're told that we must donate a machatit shekel, representing not a full, complete sense of self, but the idea of dependency one on the other, that we're really all, even before Shel Silverstein says this, we're all a missing piece. We all need one another, and therefore we only give half of a shekel. This is our donation to the Mishkan, in addition to what was told at the very beginning of Parsha Truma, the Ekhuli Truma, we have to bring a donation. That's going to be out of the generosity of every person's heart. That will be a subjective donation. But everyone is required to have an obligatory participation in the building of the Mishkan. That's the Machatit Shekel. And what is the goal of this machatit shekel? Velakartad kesef hakipurim meepenei Yisrael venatata oto alavudat ol moed vayal lebenei Yisrael lezikaron lebenei Hashem lechaper al nafshotechem the same function as the mizbeach haketoret for kapara kapara ish kofer nafsho. If you bring your machatzit shekel, that will also serve to protect you in the presence of the mishkan. And then we find the next parshia. Now we hear about another utensil, a utensil that wasn't mentioned in Parshat Truma, the kior, the wash basin, and it stands, and that will be constructed from copper. And what is the function of this? Not exactly kapara protection, because now we're already in the chatser, on the outskirts, in the courtyard of the Mishkan. And what is necessary, necessary there? To have a rechitza, so that the Kohen can wash his hands and his legs each time before performing the avodah, the primary avodot of the chatzer around the mizbech and achoshet, but also prior to his entrance of the Ol Moed, he must wash his hands, velo yamutu, so that he will not die. So similarly, we have three different kelim, three different aspects that are meant to protect us, the Mizbech HaKetoret, the Machatzit shekel, and the Kior Nechoshet, that weren't mentioned together with the other Kilim because they have a different function. They're not meant to attract Hashem to the Mishkan, but rather, once there is a constant presence of Hashem in the Mishkan, they protect us. Let's look carefully. The Mizbech HaKetoret is made just like the Aron, with white acacia wood covered with gold, very similar to the Aron, parallel to the area of the Kodesh Kadoshim. It's meant to serve as kapara for that most direct, intense presence of the Shekhinah. The next kapara, the Machatit HaShekel, not from gold, but from silver. And we find that if every member of 600,000 males contributed a Machatit HaShekel, then as we see the construction of the Mishkan in Parshiot Vayakel and Pekudei, we're going to hear about 300,000 collections of silver, namely the Machatit HaShekel, that was used to create the Adanim, literally the silver brackets for the beams that hold up the Mishkan, the actual area of the Kodesh. So we have a golden Mizbech HaKetoret, to protect us 
from the presence of God in the Kodesh Kadashim. We have the silver Adanim that protect us in the area of the Kodesh. And then we have the copper Kior Vachano that protect us through washing our hands in the area of the Chatzer. This is very reminiscent of the Masemer Kava of the chariot that Yechezkel sees in his introductory nevuah, wherein Hashem appoints him as a Navi, he sees chayot and ofanim and strafim, the outermost angels representing the entourage of the Shekhinah, of the presence of God, a copper-like tone. As he gets farther and farther inside to the Kisei HaKavod, they turn silver and ultimately tchelet and gold, representing the presence of the Shekhinah. Notice then that we have particular kelim that are meant to protect us once God is in our midst. Note how the Torah is going to teach us how to live in the presence of the Shekhinah. Especially today with our sensitivity to coronavirus, we're told, wash our hands, wear gloves, wear masks, make sure that you sanitize. The Torah, even before the detection of all these viruses, Teach us how to take care of ourselves. Teach us the basic of what wellness is all about. Be sensitive to your surroundings. Recognize that you're always in the presence of the Shekhinah. And therefore, as wonderful as that is, don't take advantage of it. And realize that you have to maintain your health. And what are the means through which you do that? The Mizbeach HaKetoret. Today especially, we have so many new discoveries of how different senses and fragrances can help us take care of ourselves. We have the Adnei Kesef, which literally represent the brackets of our Krashim, of our beams, making sure that there is a stronghold, making sure that we're protected in the area of the Kodesh. And of course, the washing of the hands. When people ask today, okay, what is all this hype around coronavirus? Perhaps, together with all different messages that can be learned about the presence of a kihila, are becoming so much more sensitive to going out of our way, to reach out to members who are quarantined, to make sure that we really understand what it means. I believe that it's also a way of sensitizing us a little bit more to our surroundings, maybe even to allowing us to become more familiar with some of these halachot of the Mishkan, of Hilchot, Tumah, and Tahara, how even if we can't see it, there are all these germs all about, and we're meant to protect ourselves. But just like there are germs, negative germs, there are also positive ones, and we have to be careful and wary of its presence. And if one little virus can have such great and grand negative implications, then we also think about the positive implications. Washing our hands can also bring about a greater, not just kapara, but literally to protect ourselves. And therefore, immediately thereafter, we hear about the Shemen Hamishcha and the Ketoret HaSamim that is going to be sacrificed upon the Mizbech HaKetoret. And by both of these, we're also told, make sure that you're very careful that you do this correctly. Otherwise, there can be dire implications. The Avtinas family that was responsible for the manufacturing of the Ketoret to be sacrificed on the Mizbech Ketoret, they had to be so careful not to use it for their own purposes because if so, So here we see a beautiful introduction to what it means to live with the Shekhinah. To live with the Shekhinah means they're also going to be particular afudot, the Mizbech HaKetoret, with the sacrificing of the Ketoret, creating literally a buffer, a mechitza, an anan, a cloud of incense to protect, protect us 
against the Aron. Protect us to live with the Aron without the intense presence of the Shekhinah. And not only in the area of the Kodesh Kadashim, but in the Kodesh as well, through the Adanim as a Kapara, through the Kesef of the Machatzit HaShekel, and lastly, through the Kior, to wash our hands, to make sure that we're careful when uh, we engage in the Avodot. And that's why the Rabbanan also established a Gzeira, that it's not enough for the Kohanim to wash their hands prior to engaging in any Avodah of the Mikdash, whether it's to worship and to sacrifice in the area of the Chatzer, of the altar, or in the area of the Kodesh or the Kodesh Kodeshim. But Chazal established that we, again, people who are in Kohanim, should also wash our hands before eating bread to make sure that the Kohen will remember to wash his hands as well. Notice how we incorporate then part of the idea of living with the Shekhinah in our everyday lives, something that we should pay attention to every time we wash our hands, not only for basic sanitary conditions, but to literally live a life of Kedusha. Certain almost menial activities that we forget about, we don't realize are really there to protect us. I've heard many people say that, wow, look at some of the positive effects of coronavirus. People aren't leaving Eretz Yisrael, and people are being so careful now about Shmirat Negia, and people are also finally being makbid about Netilat Yadayim, which really stems from Srach Truma, which stems from the whole idea of worshiping in the Mishkan, making sure that the Kohanim are careful with their hands. One last idea that I'd like to share in the Parsha comes immediately thereafter. We're told that Bitzalel is going to be appointed to help with the construction of the Mishkan. He's going to be the architect. And immediately after all this, we hear again, Vayomer Hashem, the same terminology that we find by the Keturit. Vayomer Hashem, kach lecha samim, natafu shchilet vechel banasamim ulevona zaka, babavad yeh. And the same term, Vayomer, as opposed to Vayidaber, Hashem tells Moshe, Daber al b'nei Yisrael lemor, achet shabtotai tishmoru, ki oti b'ni uvenechem ledorotechem, ladat ki ani Hashem mekadishchem. Hashem tells Moshe to teach b'nei Yisrael about Shabbat. Now this is very confusing because by now we've heard about Shabbat, not only from the universal Shabbat of Sefer Breshid, v'yechulo hashamayim v'aretz. We heard about Shabbat, if you remember after leaving Mitzrayim, in Parshat B'Shalach, we heard in Parak Tzayin, and when we reach Midbar Sin, and we're told to collect the man. We're going to count six days from the collection of the man. And then on day seven, we don't leave our homes and we don't collect the man because Shabbat Hayom Lahashem. So we also heard about collecting two portions of man on Erev Shabbat so that we don't go outside of our homes on Shabbat. And then we heard about we don't perform any malacha. We heard by And then, as if that's not enough, and we heard that we have to rest on Shabbat, not only to remember that Hashem created the world, but also to ensure from a social aspect that all the people in our household, all the people in our companies are also going to rest. So why do we need to hear about this? For a fifth time, we hear about the halachot of Shabbat. Each time we come across some apparent redundancy in Tanakh, we have to ask ourselves, what is the chidush? Is there any novel aspect that we were unfamiliar with beforehand? And the answer is certainly yes. What is the new aspect here? It's an oat. Now Shabbat 
It's not just our way of recognizing that this is a day that Hashem stopped creating at the time of Riyat Olam, but rather we're part of a relationship. It's an ot beni uvein bnei Yisrael oti leolam ki shishet yamim asa Hashem atashemayim vataret oviyamashvi shavat vaynafash, and that's why. How do we sanctify Shabbat? With the words vishamru bnei Yisrael et Shabbat lasot et Shabbat ledorotam brit. Olam. This is what we find in our parsha, parsha Kitisa. Shabbat is part of a relationship with Hashem. We are part of not only recognizing that Hashem created the world, but now Hashem needs us to be the ones who recognize. This is where we learn that only people of Jewish faith and religion observe the Shabbat because we're part of a brit, we're part of a covenant, of a relationship. And now the question is, so why tell us about this now? Why only after the instruction about the Mishkan do we hear about a relationship manifest through Shabbat? And I believe the answer is that once we're told about sensitivity and sanctity of place, namely the Mishkan, because of course Hashem is everywhere. But the whole point is also to recognize that there can be a concentrated area where Hashem is going to be most manifest. So too, even though in time, every day is a special day, we can use every moment of every hour of every day to develop a relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu through mitzvot, tzvilah, talmud Torah. But Shabbat reminds us that there is a 24 plus hour period wherein there is a greater concentration of this relationship. And once we can be more sensitive to that in the realm or in the dimension of space, then we can do so also in the dimension of time. Something that the halachot of Tarat HaMishbacha certainly help us with. Many women talk to me about after they get married, there's time on, time off, time on, time off. And as difficult and frustrating as it is sometimes, remembering that it certainly hones our sensitivity to time and appreciating then the sanctity of time together with the sanctity of place, helps us understand what a relationship is all about. A relationship with Hashem, but also a relationship with our spouse and our loved ones. I want to wish you all then, not only a Shabbat Shalom, but a Shabbat Shalom of literally remembering the parsha of the Ketoret, remembering Kapara, Lo Yamutu, that living with God means being more sensitive to our health. And living with God means being more sensitive to the dimensions of place, of space, of time. Shabbat Shalom Umevorach. This week's podcast is sponsored by Lisa and Mary Goldenhirsch in honor of their son Akiva's engagement to Penina Simkowitz and in memory of Etana Sarah Gordon Friedman, whose yardzeit is on Kafzayin Adar. Is there someone in your life that you want to honor? Someone who has helped you out or inspired you? Maybe it's a medical professional or a teacher or a yoetzet who went above and beyond to help you, or a yard site or death that you want to mark. Please consider making a donation to support this podcast in honor of a special person in your life. This episode of Wisdom and Wellness was recorded by Shani Tarragon, music courtesy of Shimona Gottlieb, and is a product of the Eden Center. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please give us a five-star rating, share this podcast on social media, and encourage others to subscribe. 
We welcome your feedback, sponsorships and support. You can reach us at www.theedincenter.com.